Welcome to Cheaper Than Therapy, a podcast that journeys into conversations with the intention of demystifying, destigmatizing, and desensitizing what really gets talked about behind the closed doors of the therapy room. I'm Vanessa Bennett. And I'm Danae Selkin. And we're seekers, soul sisters, and holders of sacred space. So join us as we dive into the ways that therapy can be connecting not only to yourself, but also to those around you. Welcome back, guys, to another episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. Today, we have Hazel. So Hazel wrote in about a few things, but things that sound like they all kind of play together, right? And I feel like I've heard similar questions or concerns from um, others in the past. So it, it does feel like a bit of a theme that, that seems to be coming up, at least in my work with clients. I don't know, Danae, if you would agree, but mm-hmm. um, talking about codependency, talking about, you know, this work of rediscovering who you are, um, you know, what's your true authentic self, who is your true authentic self, and also getting out of a relationship that seems like it was pretty toxic. Yeah. Like some narcissistic stuff and, and how yeah. that plays into not only the codependency, but also that rediscovering of self. So I'd love for you to just give us some more context. So I guess the biggest thing like lately is it's a combination of things that I think kind of came to surface with the, the breakup mm-hmm. that I had. Um, it was a four year pretty serious relationship um, that I maybe was in longer than I should have been due to my dad passed away, like the two year mark. Mm-hmm. And so I think I kind of held on to a relationship longer than I should have, I guess, not knowing like what else to do because I was in quite a bit of shock, I, I suppose, at that time. Sure. Mm. Great. Um, so Hazel, how long ago did the relationship end? Just so I have the context. Um, it's been about like, uh, February will be two years. So th- it's been a while. And I think I kind of, for a year, like checked out and didn't really, um, want to focus on any of this stuff. Like I kind of just distracted mm. myself. Mm. So this like past year, I've really started to do the work of understanding um, more of what happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can I ask, what do you feel like was the catalyst for you? Like, what about this last year do you feel like was your catalyst to be like, I, I want to dig into this? Um, I actually had the opportunity to take time off of work. So I am a flight attendant um, normally. So I'm always going, running different places, mm-hmm. you know, with different people. And then I decided to take advantage of the opportunity and slow down, which is mm-hmm. something I haven't done my entire mm-hmm. life, basically. Um, and I think that I decided to spend the time focusing on myself and trying to dig a little deeper into discovering who I am. Well, brava to that. I mean, (laughs) being able to say, you know what, I'm actually going to take this opportunity and I'm going to make a conscious decision Mm -hmm. and do this work. That's, that's huge. So I want to commend you for that. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So Hazel, with a little bit of distance, what do you feel like you are starting to understand already about that dynamic with your ex? I think that it was very unhealthy and I knew it. Um, Mm. But I think the grief of losing my dad who was like my best friend so unexpectedly um almost kept me hanging on or like attached longer than I should have been yeah and then I think also um 
figuring out that like maybe I am a codependent. I never realized that mm. until the last like year mm-hmm. and trying to figure out where that came from and like how I latched on to this person who was so unhealthy mm-hmm. for me. I get, I get kind of upset with myself for mm-hmm. that. I can hear that. Yeah. Will you give us a little bit of just like a few examples of the ways that that unhealthy behavior manifested? Like, what did it look like between the two of you? I did a lot of, uh, like, it was definitely wasn't a 50-50 thing. Like, I would always um, sacrifice, like, for example, I commuted to work, like, 10 hours because I commute by airplane. And, uh, like, I feel like I never got any recognition, even though that wasn't why I did it, but Mm -hmm. I felt very underappreciated. Like, Mm. for example, well, I didn't ask you to do that. But then it was always like in times of need where I needed encouragement, like he had all the right words to say, but never true actions or true support. And it was very confusing, Mm. like to me. Or saying things like, oh, maybe like these are things you should talk to your friends about. Like, we can't talk about everything together, mm. like things like that. Okay. So maybe not the emotional capacity to sort of make space for what you were going mm-hmm. through. Okay. Yeah. And so that led me to think, and other things he said, you know, like, I'm, you know, too emotional. Uh, maybe you need to just go journal, or maybe you should meditate, or maybe you're not being honest with your therapist. Maybe that's why you have anxiety. Mm. Well, it feels a little gaslighty. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, not to like label it, but that, that kind of behavior feels like, you know, it's like you're coming with a, with a concern or an anxiety and it's like Mm -hmm. turning, making you kind of feel crazy for having the feeling. Yeah. And I feel like the more I started to voice like how I was actually feeling and, and the more it was like, this is too much, you're too much. Like, you know, I, maybe you need help type Mm -hmm. thing. And then I started to believe that. And then I'm trying to come out of the mindset of like, no, that's just me being a human. And I'm allowed to have feelings and, you know, emotional highs and lows, you know, I'm, I'm, that's why I'm talking about it. I'm trying to sort through it. Yeah. You know, for me, one of the greatest gifts of starting to understand attachment styles and attachment styles, you know, we understand are not sort of like a fixed thing and this is who I am and this is the label I put on myself. But I think that understanding a little bit about like, if I'm a little bit more of an anxious attachment style and I'm in relationship with someone who's maybe a little bit more avoidant in their attachment style, um, I think it can just be really liberating to sort of understand this isn't that there's something wrong with me. It's just a little bit of understanding this is what I'm going to require in partnership, right? And we may not fit that well together, you know? Um, And obviously, I don't know your ex. We've got like like just a little smidgen of information on him. But also, it sounds like a lot of the emotional capacity that he had might have been about his specific attachment style doesn't necessarily make him wrong. And I'm not saying that some of what he did wasn't unhealthy or wasn't abusive, but also it sounds like some of this was just a little bit of starting to understand what I require in partnership might be something that this person wasn't available to give me. It didn't have the capacity to hold for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that was like a big part of it. And I know that, um, it doesn't always matter like what the person does once you break up, but mm. that person uh, got engaged like three months later 
And then I really felt like, holy shit, what's wrong with me that he dated for four years? And then like, you can just, you know, move to that so quickly. I don't know. What I'm I'm hearing you talk about it too, what I'm hearing is like, there's like this split in you that's happening where it's like your kind of logical cognitive side is like you know there were all these issues he didn't have capacity you know my dad passed away and i was in an emotionally vulnerable spot it's why i stayed longer than i should have and at the same time there's a lot of like self-judgment around Mm. all of it right and so you know you've done the work as far as like understanding and like again the cognitive understanding and now it's a little bit of like integrating the uh, the grace and the kind of acceptance of um, you didn't know what you didn't know, right? And, and that takes that takes time, for yeah. sure. But it does sound like that's that's the split that's happening. I definitely struggle because I know that like it was I, a blessing in disguise or whatever you would like to call it. You know, dodging mm-hmm. a bullet. There's all these things you can say, um, but then I do get upset with my. I have a really hard time forgiving myself. Mm-hmm. Um, not just in this, but other things. And I, mm-hmm. and I reflect or over reflect, maybe I'm a why person mm-hmm. and I don't love that. I'm like that, but I, I need to learn to embrace it in some sense, because I don't know if I can change that or if mm-hmm. I really want to change it. I just maybe don't want to be like hyper-focused on it. If that makes sense. Like oh, the need to always understand instead of just trying to pull what I can learn from it and use that in moving forward. Hazel, I love what you just said, which I thought was just such a profound awareness of like, I don't even know if I want to change this, right? Because I think that there's some things that we can be doing, behavior patterns that we know aren't necessarily serving me, but this is what I know how to do, right? Like I know how to beat myself up. I know how to sort of ruminate in the space of what I could have done differently. Um, What... Do you think is the benefit for you of continuing to sort of give yourself a hard time, make yourself wrong, pick apart like what you could have done differently? Be like, the what do you think you? Or what? Be the questioner. Like, oh, that yeah. part of you, you know? Yeah, the benefit, honestly, I, I don't know. I think it, it, maybe it's even more comfortable than the unknown, if that mm. makes sense. Like the fear of moving uh forward from it you know what if I don't do it right again you know it's like in an odd way almost a safe space that safer space than the unknown for me uh maybe I don't know if that could be it or or what I think you're right you know I think (laughs) it is a vulnerable thing to step into my power and to believe that, um, you know, if I sort of zoom out, as we like to say on my life, that I can sort of understand this experience with my ex as a chapter of my life, not the whole story. Mm. And um, it was there for me to learn from. Like there were things I needed to learn about um, taking up space and insisting upon myself and speaking to how things feel for me. Mm-hmm. You know, whether that person is able to hold it or not, that's still something I needed to do. Like I needed to teach myself how to do that. Yeah. So none of it is wasted, right? Like that—that right. that is um, a way that I can sort of frame it. But I would have to, I'd have to believe in self-compassion. I'd have to believe in the, the validity of the entire journey in order to do that. That's yeah. scary. It is scary. And it's uh, like when I look back on different things that I've overcome, like, it's pretty incredible. Like really, like 
I mean, when I actually give myself like the time to appreciate that, but then it's sometimes like I kind of diminish it like, oh, well, that was a lot of people go through that or like, oh, Mm -hmm. that was just, you know, another chapter, like, but really I, I really have overcome a lot. I don't know why I have a really hard time giving myself credit for, for the good things that I've, I've done and like the things I've learned. Well, what would it mean? I guess like this is sometimes I ask the question, like, you know, um, if I'm struggling with something and it's like, why do I do that? Or, you know, I have a hard time doing this. I ask like the opposite question. It's like, well, if I didn't do that, or if I accepted the compliment, or if I, um, you know, gave myself credit where credit's due, what would that mean about me? What would that say about me? Um, and I, and I tend to ask myself the, the flip question. So what would that say about you as a person, if you were somebody who easily accepted credit? I guess, I mean, maybe it would just mean that I had a little more confidence in myself and my decision-making, which I don't always believe I do. So maybe I do, maybe that's something that I kind of diminish, um, you know, because I'm not sure that I have the confidence, although sometimes I'm like, yeah, I do actually Mm. have the ability and confidence, like vulnerability to do these things, but I don't always like recognize it or thank myself for, you know, giving myself opportunities to feel like brave and bold and courageous. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, oh no, like, um, it it was nothing. So I guess it would maybe make me feel a way that I don't even know how to describe because I've never felt it. Right. And, and (laughs) kind of going back to what Danae said, there's some, accountability maybe that comes with standing in your own power, um, which can be scary, right? Meaning um, if I really step into that, um, you know, I am learning what my inner voice is. I am learning my intuition. Um, You know, I know that I deserve X, Y, and Z. If I start to step into that knowing, there's almost some accountability that I have to take on about Mm -hmm. the knowing, Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. I'm trying to like articulate this. It's like, and it's not a blamey thing, but there's a part of us, especially those of us who struggle with codependency. Mm -hmm. It means that we now are responsible for how we show up moving forward. Right. You know what I mean? So like now, and again, it's not a blamey thing, but now, okay, in my next relationship, I now know all these things. And so now that I know, and I can't unknow, there's a little bit of yeah. fear there because, oh God, what happens if I find myself in another narcissistic relationship or what happens? Do I doubt that I have the ability or the capacity to say, hey, wait a second. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I'm articulating that, but there's something in that that's like really alive for me when you say that. No, I do. I Actually, there was someone that I kind of was like talking with um, and like back and forth, you know, I kind of voiced like how I was feeling and like, I kind of spoke up for myself, you know, like I've experienced this, uh, which leads me to like, um, need to express this. And like, Mm -hmm. this is my, I won't want to say expectation, but like, this is what I need if like, this is going to turn into like a true relationship. And it was really uncomfortable. And like, I said it once and then like time went by and then we talked again and then it's like, okay, I said it again. And now I did it three times and I'm like, okay, so now I don't want any really want to talk to this person because I know that it's not uh, fitting for me. So I'm like, okay, well maybe I 
did, um, I am using what I've learned a little bit um, in like expressing it. And then I like kind of take it back mm -hmm. and then I express it again and then I take it back. And now I'm like, actually, you know what? I'm kind of tired of doing this. Mm. Like, <laughs> you know, so I don't, I think that it is um, beneficial, like using the lessons I've learned. And I guess I would say that I'm kind of taking accountability for what I need and being okay with that, but it feels very uncomfortable. And I guess the concern I have is like, am I going to be able to continue to do this? Um, like when I, when I get back into dating. There's this thing of, um, there's something as I'm talking to you about, like I'm a little bit afraid to step into my power and to step mm -hmm. into my authentic self, right? And, you know, something about that feels historic. We always say, like, if it's um, hysterical, it's historic, right? Like, it's this is something that, like, I was conditioned to believe mm -hmm. some sort of learned behavior, which is true for so many of us, especially as women, um, that stepping into my power, sort of stepping out of the space of modesty and, mm -hmm. you know, like being too big and too full of myself is something I don't want to do because the world will reject me men will reject me, people will not like me if I do that, you know. Um, and one of my favorite quotes from Maya Angelou talks about, I don't remember exactly how she said it, but that just modesty is like a learned affect. It's not real. It's not authentic. Mm. It's Ooh, fake, powerful. right? Like none of us come into this world modest. It's something that we're taught to be. Humility is very different, right? Humility mm. means like I'm not in control. Something else is controlled. This big journey of mine is to learn from and I'm here for the lessons. But modesty is not real. That's fake. And mm. so there's something about like, can I challenge these moments where I'm feeling the little stir of like, what's gonna happen? What is someone's response gonna be if I step in the fullness of myself here? And mm -hmm. can I stay in that discomfort and sort of like have a conversation with myself around it? Like, if this person is really having some sort of a response to my bigness, that is all about them. And that is not the space that I should be in. I don't know right. how that feels. But and it sounds like you actually kind of did that in this last example you gave. Maybe yeah, you didn't realize did. you did it, but you actually did do it. Yeah. And I, and like, it was the first time was like a little light. And then the second time I was like reinforcing, like, no, like this is what I need. And then like the third time I'm kind of like, this is not going like you were, we're not hearing each other apparently. Mm -hmm. So like, I can respect that. Like you have your, you know, life and whatever world going on. And like, this is what I have going on. And mm -hmm. if we can't like find a common grounds, like right now, this is not going for me. I don't want to move forward with it. And I will say, because we can see you, when yeah. you started saying like, yes, that actually is what I did. There was like the faintest hint of a smile on your yeah. face. Yeah. <laughs> Total energy shift. There. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think what Danae is speaking to so powerfully is there's these, there's these conflicting selves, right? There's the self that was created. There's the persona that was created based on mm -hmm. acceptance and a desire for, um, you know, attachment and what society says and all these things. And then there's the real self. Mm. Yeah. And in that moment, when you said, no, that actually is what I did, it was almost as if I was looking at your real self. Yeah. I, I think, um, too, like, you're, I think you're right. Like, there is, like, a real self in me, but I've always um, maybe tried to, like, have, like, an image, mm -hmm. I guess. Mm -hmm. um, and part of it, maybe because 
I didn't know that growing up, this is like a big thing that I'm kind of um, starting to uncover. Like my parents were married for such a long time. And I think my codependency came in at like my, like not when I was really young, but when I was in high school, when they got separated um, and it turned out that my dad was actually gay. Hmm. And like, so I think that I didn't think I knew that, but maybe I did recognize some things yeah. weren't like as they seemed yes. and like as an adult unpacking that now is like holy shit like I lived with a parent who like created this whole life um mm-hmm. not maliciously or anything like that mm-hmm. but like because they felt they had to and so I think I I learned some of that and now recognizing that it's mm-hmm it's a hard realization, especially like since my dad's passed away, I almost feel really weird. Um, kind of like calling that out, like acknowledging that. Right. Like it, it almost feels a little bit like you're, like you're dogging him or like you're saying something yeah. about him as a like, parent. Yeah. But he was a really good parent. Um, my, both of my parents were, it was yeah. just a really strange relationship that I didn't know was strange until like the last couple of years. Well, and I would actually challenge that Hazel, because I think it's twofold. I think one, you're uncovering, oh my God, I have this learned behavior that I potentially mm-hmm. picked up from dad. And also you might not have understood gay, right? When you were right. a kid, it's not like you understood right. that specifically, but you did actually know that something was off. You did yeah. actually know deep down that things weren't as they seemed, but because everybody pretended they were, what ends up happening is we say, oh, well, my internal voice, my knowing must be wrong. It must be off. It must be broken. Yeah. And so you learn to distrust yourself. Yeah. 100%. Because everybody around me, especially the grownups are all pretending like everything's fine. So obviously they're fine. And obviously my feelings right. are wrong. Right. And so there's two things at play, you know, that, that kind of make us distrust ourselves or, or our inner, our inner voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, th- I think I have, a really strong internal voice I just quiet it like yeah it's never steered me wrong and like there's been things from you know day one where I've put myself in situations and it's you know a couple years later and I'm like why didn't I just do what I knew I needed to do at the time because I was right like I'm it's always right (laughs) like I know that and that even sounds weird for me to say like to have that much confidence in it like and then I take a step back like no and then, like I can't be that confident in myself you know mm. it's like such a weird like trying to come out of a shell mm. you know yeah yeah I want to I want to just honor what you said a little bit ago about you know I've lost my dad and even starting to unpack and look at some of these things is tough right because mm-hmm. it's like I'm I'm having conversations with him or looking at some of the things that went on in his life without being able to talk to him about it. Mm-hmm. And I think, right. you know, there's something, Hazel, in you stepping into yourself, owning your authentic space, believing in your, your ability to like trust your wisdom. That right. is such a beautiful way of honoring your dad. Oh God, that's made me choke up. Cause as you were saying that, I was like, yes. <laughs> oh my yeah. God. It brings tears to, tears to my mm-hmm. eyes because. Um, what better way? Oh my God. Absolutely. I know my dad would be super proud of me. Like you, you were actually taking the reins on something that he wasn't able to. You're stepping in, you're working to take your, your authentic self and step into that power in a way that he wasn't able to for many reasons. Right. And we could go into the right. why, um, right. but you're doing that. Yeah. 
No, I think that like that is a really powerful like statement. And I, I do think it's true. I just, I think sometimes it's really hard for me to accept that and that like know that I, I can do this, mm. you know, like I can be, I don't want to say like a cycle breaker or, or whatever, but like I say do, <laughs> you know, Absolutely. like, yeah, yeah like yeah. I do, that's what I want to be is like a cycle yeah. breaker, you know, my, my parents' relationship was super dysfunctional and on both sides, like neither person is guilty of anything. They did what they could. And like, now I'm like, holy shit, I have all these tools and like an abundance of resources and support and like what the things that I can do with it is like endless. And I think it just scares the shit out of me. Hell yeah. (laughs) So that's why I think I get stuck like ruminating sometimes because it's like almost easier than like seeing like this new world of like Mm. endless possibilities. And I know that this might sound really weird, but with this like um, time off of work, I've almost felt guilty about it. Like I have this freedom and like, I, you know, I, I'm still getting paid a little bit. Like there's nothing bad that's happened to me this year. And all this stuff around me is like crumbling. And it's like, how do I own like that? I'm not responsible for that. I'm just responsible for like myself, you know, Yeah. like feeling guilty for having too much freedom almost like, but that's so but I also created the life I'm living. So right. why should I feel bad about it? Right. Because that voice wants you to feel bad, right? That voice that's always told you, you need to stay small. You shouldn't have needs and wants, you know, don't listen to yourself. That's that voice. That's yeah. That same voice. Right. Yeah. And, I, and it's less about saying like, you know, shut up voice. You don't know what you're talking about. And more about saying like, you know what? I, I respect that you've kept me safe. I respect that you have kept me attached and loved for whatever that was worth, right? Up until this point. And now I kind of know better. And so I want to give you voice, the compassion and the, and the thank you, but also you can sit down. Like I've got this. Mm. Yeah. Sit down. I'm going to sit down, like take your place at the table because it's not at the head of the table anymore. Yeah. I was listening actually to the Tat Lab class last night about like how you said you put like a face to those types of things. And I never honestly thought about it like that and that was really powerful Mm. for me I thought wow maybe I should try that because it seems like it might work well that's an exercise maybe you can take that away from today you know our conversation like there's a teacher that I love Jack Hornfield for those of you guys listening um he's been life-changing for me and one of the exercises he says is who is at your table like Mm. start to actually name the different voices um maybe figure out what they look like, who they sound like, you know, they might sound like dad, they might sound like grandma, they might sound like teacher or coach or whatever, but really put a visual, an image to these people who's sitting around the table. Um, and can you take the head now yeah. and say, you know, like you're still allowed at my table, you've done a lot of great work for me, but you're not at the head anymore. So, you know, I need you to sit back down. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's super, um, it could be really beneficial for me, like putting that into practice and consciously thinking Mm -hmm. um of that when you know those whose voice feelings come up yeah Yeah. you know hazel i feel so excited about your life right now you know i feel like you are the embodiment of that 
Course in Miracles quote, you know, our greatest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our greatest fear is that we're powerful beyond belief. And Vanessa's right. There was like a very distinct energy shift Mm -hmm. within you as you started talking about stepping into your power. And it Mm -hmm. was like, I mean, some part of me knows. And your work is just to remind yourself, I am so much more powerful than I can even imagine. And this life is for me, you know? This is for me to live out loud. And now I get to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that, I think it's, uh, it's coming. Like there is a shift, you know, I can feel it. I can feel Mm it. Um, and like my day-to-day work that I do, like, um, and some of my friendships and different things, like allowing myself to appreciate that and all the work I've done and like, you know, um, just embracing what's next is, is where I'm at. And I'm like, it's so a stepping stone. Right. Yeah. And I would say, you know, the work is going to be, to Danae's point, owning it, stepping into it, and paying attention and noticing when those other voices come up, mm-hmm. right? And just acknowledging them, remembering yeah. why they're there, remembering mm-hmm. how far they've brought you. You know, they're not there to be malicious. They're not there to to ruin you or to break you. You know, those voices inside ourselves are there for survival. Um, right. And they've done a great job so far because you're here, right? You're alive. And- they're not your voice. Right, right. And so there's like a, there's a, there's a dance that you have to do, right? It's like you step into it and then those voices are gonna come up and you acknowledge them and you say, okay, I hear you. Thank you for your concern. Mm-hmm. And then you make a decision in that moment, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna continue to move forward. And I say that that's part of the work because it is a dance with compassion. It's mm-hmm. a dance with giving yourself the grace because it's not a, you're not gonna just turn the voices off. They're going to keep right. being there, you know, and that's okay. It doesn't mean you're failing. It doesn't mean you're not doing the work. It means you're human and mm-hmm. you've got internal voices that have kept you alive. That's all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I'm excited too. Good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. Oh. And that I'm excited. That's the self. That's, that's that face that you just made. That's what I saw. That's the self. It's just like, I can like see it and feel yeah. it sometimes. And then it's like, if I could just somehow figure out how to get all of my focus through that channel instead of the, you know, the other ones that's, you know, I'm, you I'm slowly getting there. Yeah. You keep doing your work. And I find, and like, this has been coming up for me a lot this week, like this listening to our highest wisdom is a muscle that we have to continue to work. Right. So I have to do things to tap into it. I have to like go into groups and listen to teachers and, you know, um, read things that I find really empowering and inspirational because that is how I remember my true voice. It's like any other muscle. If we don't continue to work it, we'll start to get a little lazy. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, no, totally. Um, agree with that 100%. Yeah. I just want to say, you know, thank you for bringing us to the table because, you know, it's, it's your experience, but it's a universal experience in that mm-hmm. we're all struggling to become more authentic and mm-hmm. you're an embodiment of what that can look like oh. the more you work at it. Yeah, I appreciate that. That means a lot. Thank you. Thank you so much. And keep us posted, you know, let us know how you're doing. Oh, of course. Yeah, I will. (laughs) Thank you both so much. Thank you, Hazel. Take care, Hazel.
I really loved her energy. She's yeah. just, um, it's so cool when you see someone who's like on the precipice mm -hmm. of something, of like stepping into themselves in a really Inspiring. big way. I know. <laughs> it made me like, I felt really emotional talking to her. Yeah. Yeah. It's an embodied thing, right? It's this, holy shit, I see it taking over you. <laughs> you know, you can't get away from it. It's like, I'm witnessing what's happening right now. And that is a beautiful, powerful thing to be on the other side of, to actually see it come over someone's face, see it like their shoulders get a little bit, you know, pulled back. They get a little bit taller. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just got goosebumps. It's powerful. Yeah, because it's, you know, I think that is why we speak to it as being like the higher truths that we know about ourselves, because it's like, we always know whatever we're capable of. We always know the truth of who we are. I feel like she spoke to it, you know, in my relationship, this wasn't right for me. This wasn't my truth. I think that's always the case, but some part of us is afraid. We're afraid to step into our power. We're afraid of, you know, rejection. We're afraid of, you know, the things that we did early on in life to attach and to receive love and that we won't be safe if we sort of, um, move away from some of those behavior patterns, but it is, you're right. It's such a beautiful thing to witness someone starting to question like what else could be possible for my life. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah. And there is a real responsibility, like I said, and accountability mm. that comes with that because now that I'm responsible for it, now I have a choice to make. Am I going to take the reins or not? Right. And so there's a lot of fear I've seen in people and myself that come along with that, you know? Yeah. You just made a, like what you just said, made a really important point for me. And I feel like, you know, obviously you speak to this a lot when you do all of the work that you do around codependency. And what I think she spoke to really beautifully and like sort of said for herself is that what I find happens a lot is we start to name, you know, I was with a narcissist and this was, you know, narcissistic abuse is it can really sort of be a little bit disempowering, right? Like this person um, took all of my power and now they've ruined my life. And um, I love this space of like, yes, that might've been the behavior pattern. That might've been the relationship I was in, but rather than continuing to focus on dissecting what narcissism looked like in that person, can I try to understand like what part of me first was attracted to that? Right. And what do I need sort of understand about that time with that person so I can move forward in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. Again, it's not accountability to shame you. It's accountability to say, okay, this is the lesson learned. And now how do I move forward? How do I take that, embody it and move into the next part of my life? You know, it's empowering Absolutely. actually mm -hmm. that accountability. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. we loved this episode. <laughs> we did. Do we hope you enjoyed it too? And you know, don't forget, give us some love. Rate us, review us, um, share Subscribe. us. Subscribe. Yeah, all the things, guys. That's how we get it out to more people. So we hope you all enjoy it and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. So if you're wanting to dig a little bit deeper into the conversations that we're having, we are both a part of a community called the Tat Lab. Some of the topics we lead groups in exploring are how to navigate the experience of singlehood after an expired relationship, reparenting yourself, and breaking down codependency from a 101 class to boundaries to perfectionism and self-worth. And if you're curious, you can go to tat-lab.com. Not only check us out there, but also all the other awesome therapists and coaches that lead groups on a ton of different topics. So we hope to see you guys there. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. 
And if you want to connect with us, you can find us on Instagram at Vanessa S. Bennett and at Danae Logan Selkin. 